hello there. Thank you very much for joining me on the first episode of Madness to Mogul. I am Oliver Shepherd, and this year I really want to make much more content around what I do in business and the journey I'm going on. So I've decided to record some of the things I do, uh, whether that be discussions with other entrepreneurs, friends, mentors, or cold calls or pitches that I do throughout the year. Uh, I just want to develop more conversation, so feel free to message me on any social media uh, channels and the guests I'm sure would be uh, more than happy to talk to you on social media and connect with you about some of the topics that will come up along the way. So without further ado, let's get into episode one. Um, I have this annual conversation with my good friend Posey Upshaw. Uh, we started on the same incubator together. So uh, we've been there from day one, seeing how each other grow. And this is just a conversation we have about how we've felt about the last year and what we really want to achieve in the next year. So uh, let's take a listen. The first thing I always kind of want to know about business people or brands is what they do and why they do it. So Mm -hmm. for you, what is that? Lingerie. (laughs) Yeah. Lingerie designer, fashionista. Yeah. Why do I do it? Because I love it, but yep. I want to fill a gap in the market, which is to be have a lingerie brand that is sustainable and ethical. And they're quite big for you as well. I mean, you have taken that from a whole lifestyle perspective. For, yeah. Because you're you're vegan. You try and you know don't use too many things which harm the environment. Yeah, it is a whole lifestyle for me, I suppose. It's, um, and it's like, I hate that at the moment so many businesses are like, oh, yeah, we're sustainable, we're ethical. But yeah, they're not, like, nothing about them is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all yeah. Buzz- yeah, it's one thing that actually frustrates me quite a lot with marketing, even though I would probably say both of us are more on the marketing side than any other side of the business. Yeah. Would you agree? So a lot of businesses, as long as they can put it on a poster and legitimize it in some way, they'll just put it on there to sell. Yeah, yeah. It's not like they actually care about it and there's a purpose behind it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's annoying because I cared about this way before it was like a trend. Like, I mean, it's a trend, but I don't want to come across that I am just doing it because it's a trend. So it's like a hard kind of line. Yeah. But surely you have some historical empirical evidence that you have cared about this for a long time well i hope so i mean i grew up in glastonbury that's pretty telling you know hippie yeah. and yeah. i'm gonna be living in a van next year so what <laughs> 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 you mean can you get yeah yeah it's, it's true um so living in a van let's take that for one second <laughs> so like one of the very first things i even knew about you was that you wanted to live in a van yeah. <laughs> and this has been a thing for like three years at least yep. for you to work your way to live in a van. What is your obsession with living in a van? I just get bored really easily of like the nine till five routine, being in the same location, like living a life that's just, you know, where you wake up and you're like, oh, I just got to do the same thing every day. And I thought, well, if you live in a van, you can go wherever you want, whenever you want. You can change like. Like if you wanted to work like at the beach one day, you just drive there, you and you're there. And yeah, I don't know. It's more like it's cheap. 
it's sustainable because you know like our whole thing is powered by solar so it just i don't know it's always been an obsession of mine i'll probably hate it (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a risk like you spent three years to get to that point and then you actually get there and like this isn't what i thought it was (laughs) i always (laughs) but at least i don't have like the high expectations you know i'll just keep that in the back of my mind like you might not like it but we've stayed in it and it's been quite fun so fingers crossed when it's actually summer again it will be even better yeah i wouldn't like to do it right now it'd be pretty chilly yeah we we've done it we've got like a tiny heater but it doesn't really work (laughs) so yeah we need to buy a proper like new one (laughs) but it's not actually that bad it's like really well insulated so it's it's been okay so far. <clears throat> good, good. Um, so, yeah. So, this is the entire lifestyle for you for the business. And, um, yeah. And from kind of those early days, so we actually met on the incubator at DMU. Yeah. Um, we both went to the same university and ended up somehow meeting each other. I don't think we would have met each other any other way. No, definitely not. <laughs> We're quite different people. Um, but on that incubator, what was the, the thing that made you want to go on to the incubator? Uh, the fact that I didn't know anything about business. So, like, okay. things like when they talk about taxes and VAT and all yeah. those at the start where if you're, like, a creative person, you haven't studied anything in business before, you're, like, at the very beginning <laughs> And I just want, like, guidance into actually how to start or just the things that you need to know that you don't know that you need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that's a pretty standard way to to kind of go into that, especially after university. Because you you didn't study a business course or an enterprise course or a finance course. You studied textiles. Yeah. So you design. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So... Yeah, and on that course, how much kind of a business twist do they put? Um, I think they deter you from starting a business. Um, and I've heard along the grapevine, I don't know how true it is, but basically, because the in- lingerie industry is so small and the teachers are well connected to that industry, they basically don't want you to have a business because it means more competition for for the industry. So they don't yeah. want they don't want you to be competitors against their friends in the industry so yeah literally we didn't learn i think we might have done something about like pr but that was literally it in the whole time like yeah that's it yeah and and that's more setting you up for kind of going into a lingerie company and helping them with what they do rather than setting yeah exactly there was literally nothing so when I decided to go on the incubator because I literally felt like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like, <clears throat> different thing. Why did you start? You already knew everything about business. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I started it in a partnership, um, creating an app. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I guess the thing for us was that we didn't really have any experience we didn't know the practical steps that needed to be taken. We didn't know how to go and raise money. We didn't know how to go and pull the pieces together. 
<clears throat> it's more like we knew what all the pieces were. We just didn't know where to put them or how to put them together. Yeah, and that's yeah. really why why we wanted to go into the incubator to be able to uh, gain from the experience of the mentors from there and understand how to fit all the pieces together to make everything. Mm. Um, as we both know, that didn't really end too well. I don't say it ended badly, but it didn't really go to plan. No, it wasn't what um, we thought it was going to be. Um, yeah, I think going to an incubator with a university is probably going to be either very good in terms... Well, it's going to be very good either way. It just depends what you're expecting, Yeah, I think is the real point. Um, they focus much more on the business and the idea generation and more of the theoretical side, I felt, rather mm. than the practical developing our skills as individuals to then yeah. go and make either this business successful or a different business. Mm. Yeah, I felt like it was like in that boot camp, it was a lot of background work, like who is your customer? Yep. And that's all well and good, but we did that at university. Yeah. That, that kind of like who our ideal customer is that doesn't really like prepare you for having a business that's just like very basic isn't it yes yeah <laughs> extremely basic yeah. and I, I think when you're actually talking about launching a business you need some more meat behind the actual concept mm. so you have the concept of okay identify the target market identify the ideal client uh, but then you need to find where are they, how do you communicate with them. And it's all good saying those things, but it's a totally different thing actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. And even if you make, like, an ideal avatar, your customer, like, my customers aren't who I thought they were going to be. Yeah. Mine are students. I didn't think students would be spending, like, hundreds of pounds on lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's some student loans coming in, you know? <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah, you can do loads of background work, but it's not really relevant until you actually get to the business, like actually start selling things and getting to actually know who it is. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the key. The quicker you can start getting rev revenue in, I think it's the fastest way to actually get things going. Yeah. Um, I just felt I, I spent way, way too much time planning and just thinking about this thing or that thing. I overthink way too much. And yeah. that's one of the big things that has affected me. I'm exactly the same. And I've decided to blame it on the fact that I'm a Libra. Okay. I, I'm getting annoyed with myself. I know, like, as a business owner, like, one mm -hmm. of the things you should be is decisive. Yep. And I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Um, you know, everyone is going to be a bit different. And this is another thing that kind of I have learned to hate over the past year or so. Because, uh, so I love YouTube. I'm on YouTube all the time. Yeah. Because of the types of videos that I watch, I get all the ads for like, oh, look at this course, this business course, this Instagram course, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what I absolutely hate is they'll come on screen and say, this thing is dead. Don't use this anymore. This is the thing to do. Mm. And it's just all bullshit. Yeah, like, yeah. It's not a fact of this thing doesn't work and this thing does work. It's a fact of, well, this thing's a little bit better than this thing. They'll both work, but this thing's a little bit better than this thing. And that's all it is. Yeah, I find that as well. Like, all my ads are for courses. Yeah. And obviously, I get so many messages from, like, marketing companies. Like, yeah, we can mm -hmm. help. We'll just set up Facebook ads. And it's like, well, I'm a lingerie business. I'm not allowed to have Facebook ads. So yeah. that is not going to work for my business. 
Mm -hmm. So every business is different. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like you're not going to know until you do stuff. Like I've tried stuff that other people have told me to do. It doesn't work. I've tried stuff yeah. that no one's told me to do and it does work. So yeah. it just all depends. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it depends how you implement things. Like there are so many variables in each thing. Mm. I think saying that one thing works and one thing doesn't work is just um, a bit naive, I think. Yeah. Just my idea, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That's cool. So, yeah. So, now we've been through the incubator process. We were there for basically three years. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And since you've left the incubator, what has happened? Well, firstly, why did you leave the incubator? Um, draw, draw to an end of three years. Yeah, I think it came to a natural end, didn't it? Really, for us. Yeah, I... we were just like, we've been here too long now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I felt like we'd outgrown it, and the new people that were on it was like they were at the start, and actually, I think we thought, actually, you know what, we're not at the start anymore. We actually, yeah, like they were asking us for a lot of advice. Um. Yeah, I just felt it was time to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's also a thing of just making sure that you don't get too comfortable. Like if I think if we'd both stayed there for longer, obviously also COVID happened, so we couldn't stay there. But yeah. like if we had <laughs> if we had stayed there, um I think there was a huge risk of just complacency, just yeah. feeling very comfortable and thinking, Oh yeah, this is the right thing to do. But uh hindsight's a great thing. And probably should have left sooner, realistically. Yeah, yeah. Like, we were only meant to be there for a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were. Uh, but they, well, they encouraged us to stay longer, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and that's fair play. And that was extremely nice of them to do that for us. I think there were a few of us that stayed on the incubator, but we were the only two that generally went into the office and actually uh, kind of worked in there. Yeah. We used it as our workplace, didn't we? Yes. And that was like the biggest benefit, to be honest, for me, like having a place to work from. Because yeah, I agree. Oh, it's so draining, like always working from home and and also the other thing is like having each other and having someone to talk to about all of the problems that we were having where you can't yeah. talk to many people about it. Like I don't really know any other business people. So it's nice to actually think, oh, I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that's one of the biggest things that I've tried to change this year or I'm attempting to which is trying to get to know more business people. Yeah. Um, and hopefully this podcast will also help you to do that, mm. is to network with more people and have conversations with them, uh, and develop those relationships. Yeah. Because one of the big things is, I think, and I've seen over the kind of past year looking at things is it's really about the environment that you're in more than anything mm. because all the people that I see around me like oh yeah we start businesses blah 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 they have relatives that have business yeah. they have family members parents they own a family business or their uncle or auntie owns this business and mm. that is just so helpful for anyone else in their vicinity who is starting a business yeah, definitely. Yeah. People have asked me that before. Where does it come from, the fact that you wanted a business? And my granddad has his own business. He 
he's really successful and I think everyone in our family has started like little businesses like my sister has her own business you know we've got that very like entrepreneurial yeah spirit and I guess that's because we up with that that's good yeah and kind of to look at it from my point of view I don't really have any family members I can really think of that have a business or consider them a business owner or an entrepreneur. Mm. I'm really the only person that I can think of that is those chosen that route. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot more about me learning and me actually actively trying to move closer to other people that kind of do the same thing. Mm. Now how, well, yeah, like you said, your podcast, that helps. I guess, like, for me, it's like, where do you find other other people that have their own businesses? Like, yeah. it's it's harder than you think. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Especially in this, like, digital age where it seems like everyone is starting a business. Yeah. But at the same time, I find um, a lot of people that have businesses aren't looking to, like, scale their business. They're just looking... <laughs> For it as like more of a kind of part-time thing where they sell a few bits. They're not actually yeah. looking for like a full living out of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. Um, the amount of people now that are just doing extra things on the side to make money yeah. is probably an all-time high. Mm. So it depends what kind of people you want to be around. Like that's an absolutely fine thing to do. It's just not what I am aiming for, I guess. Mm. Yeah, like I want a massive company. I don't want it to be like yeah. just a, like a, a hobby. I want it to be a full full scale business. Yeah, you want to build something. Yeah. 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 And, and that's the, the same feeling I have. I want to build something that I can kind of look back on and be like, damn, we did some shit. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, that's another thing is looking and trying to find those people to, to kind of be around. Mm. I think there's networking groups you can go on to. Um, I think for kind of young entrepreneurial people, it's more because normally I think in those networking groups, you find people that are 40s, 50s, maybe 30s. But even mm. that's been a struggle for me to find because yeah. I would like to network with younger people that are successful. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially when, you know, I'm older than I look. <laughs> I <laughs> don't take me seriously. If I see yeah, I'm a business person, they're like, mm, you look a bit young. <laughs> <laughs> I told yesterday that I look like I'm fresh out of college, and I was like, oh, brilliant. Duh. <laughs> Is that good or bad, though? It will be good later on, but for the time being, it's not the best. <laughs> not the best, no. And I think it was probably the opposite for me. I probably look older than I actually am. Yeah, you always used to get that, didn't you? People saying you're yeah. old. Yeah, all the time. But I'm yeah. not, I'm young. God damn it. It's the beard. It is the beard. Gives yeah. you age. It gives me age. So it made me look wise. Is that good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we've left the incubator now, and we, or we left it start of last year. Yeah. Start of this year. It's not even past it yet. Um, <laughs> it, it feels long. It feels like it's been a year. Um, so after that, what was, what did you do um, to kind of move things forward? 
so I knew that I needed to start my new collection. Yeah. And I needed to sell the old collection. Yeah. Which was actually really good because lockdown, the first lockdown that we had was my busiest month that I ever had. Yeah. Um, so it was beneficial, I guess, you know, people wanting to get saucy in lockdown. <laughs> yeah. What do you think was the motivation for, for that to happen? What do you think was the, the reason? Uh, well, I put on a sale. That always mm-hmm. helped. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I guess that first few weeks, people were at home. They want they were like online shopping. Everyone was scared, weren't they? So I feel like when people are scared, you know, they spend money. Mm-hmm. And gives them a distraction, something to look forward to, I suppose. And the lingerie market is one of the only markets that has like really exceeded over the over yeah. yeah so yeah it was it was quite good um so i focused on that i think and then creating the new collection but it was like i was doing all this work and then because none of the suppliers or manufacturers were open it was waiting around i feel like i wasted a lot of the year like yeah. wait other people so it's been a very weird year, especially like the first year in business. It's just, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if it was the best time or the worst time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be the majority of the next five years. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. So when you, had, when you saw that kind of spike in sales, did you see any patterns in terms of locations that were buying more than before or more than you thought? Um, I don't know if there's age groups or returning business. What were the types of people that were buying? Um, a lot of the people were like lingerie bloggers that I had already been in contact with, um, and they were giving me like really good reviews. So it was like yeah. loads of them, like, oh, I've heard so many nice things about you. Um, and I had a lot of return customers as well. Like some people were buying like the whole collection. That's good. <laughs> like, like every single piece out of the collection. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, my main places, I'd say, were UK, America, and Australia, which are the markets that I was kind of after. They're the kind of places that inspire me, I suppose, or the influences that I use are from those locations. So that trend was kind of like, I didn't, it wasn't like a surprise or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And how long did that last for, that spike? Um, there was like a good two weeks where it was intense, like, I was waking up in the morning, sewing, because like, I was having, because I decided that I was actually going to start making stuff myself, because I couldn't get anything produced. So, um, I would like get up, I'd wake up to like, four orders or something and be like, right, I've got to start sewing. And as soon as I'd finished sewing, it would be like another order. And then it was just crazy. It was definitely like probably a good month of orders, but the first two weeks of lockdown, when I put that sale on, it just went crazy. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And then what happened after that? That month, you think that um, kind of reduced the amount of sales? Um, I think like everyone that wanted to buy had bought because I only had a very small like following at that point as well. I think I had like two and a half thousand followers. So after that, like everyone that wanted to buy had already bought and then it kind of like tailed off 
and then I'd do some like I'd do a bit of marketing and then it would kind of like rise again and it would keep like following that trend so it's like the sales always come at once they're not like okay. every now and then right it's like yeah. one week will be like loads of sales and then after that it will like I could go three weeks without a sale yeah but because it's like such a high like value item I always think like oh my god I haven't had sales for three weeks but then I'm like yeah but I'm still making more money than people that have that sell stuff every day because their stuff's like a lower price so yeah. it kind of works out quite nicely because I can still go and do things without thinking oh I, I might have an order mm -hmm. I can just for the time being anyway yeah yeah and that's good uh, I mean every business is going to have a different sales pattern. Mm. Um, do you know what the standard is in the industry? Is it normally that around certain dates um, they'll have huge spikes and then it would just flat for the rest of the year, or just normal weeks? Yeah, I don't, I don't know to be honest. I do notice that with lingerie brands, they have sales quite frequently. I've noticed. Yeah. Um, because the price of the lingerie is high because you have to consider your wholesale cost, and mm. then retail after that so i find the only reason that lingerie brands are putting their prices up is to fulfill the wholesale side of things yeah. so if they take a cut on their stuff they're still making loads of money on it so they tend to have sales so i imagine that they're similar to me like people are waiting for the sale to happen and then and then they buy yeah do you think that's a, a model you're going to stick with in terms of having a lot of sales instead of Maybe having one sale at one time of the year, but for the rest of the year, just normal pricing. Yeah, like I've steadily. So at the start, I put like quite a big discount on to get like the initial customers. And slowly I've like made the discount smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, yeah. I'm now by like spending more money than they were before. And the reason I did that is because I noticed that another lingerie brand um they did that at the start they put on like a really big discount and s gradually over the years they've mm -hmm. started more discount so yeah you know those new customers they don't know that you used to have a bigger discount so they're yeah. like willing to buy so yeah slowly i'm just gonna try and you know once the customers know that, like the quality of your stuff and they've already bought they know the sizes i think they'll be willing to pay more money after that yeah, I think it, it probably comes mostly down to trust because mm. when people newly come into the industry and people don't know about them, it, it's very difficult to know whether it's legit, whether it's good quality, etc. Especially doing direct to consumer online, yeah. where people can't come and try things on and then buy it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's probably something that you had to do. Um, yeah. Because I would say probably the only other way to do it would be to throw a lot of money at marketing. But I mean, you never know if that's going to work or not. And at this point, great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And with like marketing, with um, lingerie this year, it's becoming like even tougher. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I can't do Facebook ads. Instagram won't let me have like a shoppable feed. Um, I can't have it on Facebook. Um, so yeah like the like trying to put loads of money into marketing is a bit difficult at this point <laughs> yeah have you thought about uh interesting ways to market what are the main things that you've, you've tried so far uh 
so the main the main thing that's actually worked for me which is free is like becoming friends with people in the industry like the bloggers and stuff that's mm -hmm. been my the main thing that i'm really happy that i did um yeah. i've tried influencer marketing very hit and miss yeah. um, it's weird like sometimes you might spend loads of money with one and get nothing in return sometimes you hardly spend any money and you get loads in return and yeah. it's it's really odd but i think i've like figured out who like what works and what doesn't now but yeah. i've spent a lot of money in the process <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, this is it's, I think that's just a rule of thumb for anyone that does start a business. And if we start another business, you can have to spend a bit of money just to trial and error a few things at the start. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, they're the main things that I've tried so far. Like, obviously, I do, like, my social media. Like, I keep very up to date with that. And yeah. email marketing. But other than that, I haven't paid for any marketing as such. Um. So on the, the social media front, you said that you can't put ads in, but you can have your normal account. Yeah. So you can you not even put the, the things that you put on your normal account? What do you mean on my actual, like, lingerie account? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really weird. Like, I'll post one pic, like, I've done it before with ads where I've posted a picture that I thought, this definitely won't get approved, because it's got, yep. like, you can see a bit of nipple in it or something. And it yep. will, somehow, it will say, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and then there'll be another picture where you think, everything's covered up, <laughs> but it will get, it won't be approved. Um, And it's got to the point now where I don't even want to risk trying to do it, because... Yep. Um, a lot of accounts have been shut down lately um and they might have like one lingerie blogger had sixty thousand followers and then boom their account was deleted like overnight yeah yeah no or anything um and i'm sure you've seen all of this only fans stuff going on mm -hmm. at the moment um instagram's gonna on the 20th december they're gonna crack down even harder on accounts that show nudity or you know bare skin Damn. and i've noticed it already so like my story views say it was like a thousand in yeah. the last week it's gone to 400 views Damn. like that massive so like yeah. daily even though i have like five and a half thousand followers yeah. i'm only getting like 200 story views and it's because okay. i'm account so like hashtags don't work like just loads of stuff it's just and it's getting harder and harder yeah so have you tried some of the other platforms then, like tiktok or linkedin mm, i was doing a bit of linkedin <laughs> but i don't know it doesn't feel mar like it doesn't feel the right place if that makes sense yeah i, th I think definitely you need to create bespoke content for LinkedIn. It's not the same as... Like, you could get away with putting the same content on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest even. Yeah. But LinkedIn, I think, is just such a different community that it needs to be put across in a certain way. Yeah. Especially with... Um, it's like a business platform, isn't it? So you... Yes. It's a fine line between business and, you know, people in lingerie. <laughs> Yes, but I mean, it's still part of your business. 
so mm. you can still promote it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I... I'm sure all the like boxing people and stuff, they put all the ring girls in their bikinis and stuff. I'm sure that happened. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure there's a way. Um, and I've seen a lot of people saying that LinkedIn and TikTok have the best. Yeah. I need to... I have a TikTok account. I haven't made anything. Oh, you're so young. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, see, TikTok for me, like, I don't really enjoy all of these, like, dance videos or people singing. It's just not really my kind of thing. But yeah. I definitely want to make styling videos and stuff yeah. like that. But again, it's difficult because if I do styling videos that involve clothing, then I have to think about being sustainable and ethical, which is another massive thing because these things don't really exist yet. Yes. So it's hard to think of different content that I could do. But I've heard lots of good things about TikTok. So I do need to look into it. Because, yeah, Instagram is just going downhill at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think Instagram is a pretty tough place to operate. Mm. Um, the platform's getting much more um, tightly controlled, I guess, in terms of what content's okay and what's not okay. Yeah. Then you have the problem of your post doesn't get out there unless you pay for it because it's Facebook and that's what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Stories was meant to be good. Um, and that was working for a while, and now apparently they're going to change the algorithm, so that's more. Mm. So. I think they've already done it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, they might have. Um, I read uh, a piece about it the other day. Um, and it's the whole Instagram thing, uh, the whole uh, Facebook thing of showing it to only the people closest to you, and only showing it to 50 people at first, and if they like it, then they'll show it to another 50. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've well because I've got different um accounts, so like my personal account and mm -hmm. um, a few other ones, and so I'll log on to them. And I, it used to be my lingerie page would be the first picture in the feed, and now yeah. I can't even find it. So, yeah, they definitely are cracking down on uh, nudes. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, are you actually actively looking at other platforms now instead of it? Um. I guess I haven't up until, like, I had a real panic last week when I could see that okay. my were reduced by, like, 60%. I thought, so now instead of, you know, a 1,000 potential customers, I've only got 400, which is massive. And I yeah. started to think, right, it's time to fully focus on building my email list and yeah. trying to get people to move from that platform to other ones. Because my, I'd say... 80% of my website traffic comes from Instagram. Mm -hmm. My customers come from Instagram. So if that goes, if it, if it carries on the way that it is, obviously okay. it's going to have a massive impact. Yeah. Um, in terms of your, your traffic, 80% coming from Instagram is new. Mm. Um, have you what thoughts have you had about trying to diversify? Well, like I say, like only up until like last week was when I was like, shit, I really need to think about what I'm going to do. Um, and I think that will be like my new target for like the new year will be to try and b 
build other platforms rather than just putting all my focus on Instagram because that's what I've been doing. Um, and I know that's what people say, don't they? Like, don't don't try and do all of them. Just try and focus on like one or two of them. Yeah. But, um, it looks like I'm gonna have to. Start yeah. Yeah, and like it's all well and good saying, "Oh yeah, just focus on one." But if that one platform then completely changes, and mm. now you have no followers and you have no way to actually change it, yeah, that that's not exactly helpful. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. But I guess the good thing to learn from it is like if I do move on to another platform, I think it's always trying to get people to go to your email list, like yes. Because that's the only thing that you actually own. Yes. Yeah. Which is what think... I've read a lot as well. But it's always like, you're like, oh, emails. Oh, boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I think the email list thing is pretty tough. Because so many companies have email lists. And they'll just send you a newsletter. And how many do you actually open? Probably it's... not that many. It's um... saturated. Like you yeah. see now, now and you're like, oh, go away, like unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. Have you looked into doing uh, text messaging instead? No. Uh, that that's a big thing now to start off in America, mm. uh, where people have basically just got a number and then they use that as a business number, and people can add it into their phones or whatever and send messages to it. Yeah. Um, so you can communicate them with people directly. Mm. Um, you could do the same thing on WhatsApp as well. I know WhatsApp's quite good for it. Um, WhatsApp business. And you can actually sell things directly through WhatsApp. As well. Can you? You can. Yeah, oh. WhatsApp business. Yeah, I've noticed a few businesses starting to um, promote that they've got a WhatsApp. Yeah. But I guess oh, it's just another thing, isn't it, to do? <laughs> yeah, I think this is the, the big thing. Like, There are so many different options, and this is where that kind of overthinking comes in. Like, mm. You've got so many different people telling you that a different platform is the one that you should be. Yeah. Or who's right? You don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like at the moment, one of my things that I'm really trying to do is to actually stay away from my phone. Because, yeah. you know, I I see like my screen time and I'm like, oh my God, I've wasted so much time. Like I could have got so much stuff done in that time. Yeah. Um, and that's... Like I've been really trying now, like, even when I go to work, I'm leaving my phone in the car and, and doing a whole shift just so I'm not just picking up and looking for no reason and then putting it back down. It's, like, such a bad habit that I've got. So adding something like WhatsApp is just, like, oh, I don't want to spend more time. <laughs> I want to get yeah. away. Yeah, definitely. It's really rough. Like, if you can do those things on computer instead of on your phone, probably mm. going to cut down that screen time. I think when you're on your phone, it's just so easy to just take it around. No matter what you're doing, you can have your phone and be doing something on it. Yeah, it's so easily to get distracted. And I always talk to my sister about this. Like you'll you'll think, oh, I need to Google that. You know, it'll be something yeah. you don't actually need to Google. Like, what does this word mean? And then you'll go on your phone and you go, oh, there's a notification there. And then before you know it, you've been scrolling on Instagram for ten minutes, and you can't even remember why you went on the bloody phone in the first place. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that happens a lot. I'm sure loads of people can relate to it. Yeah, that's what I do with YouTube. Like, Instagram's not my thing, but mm. YouTube is 100%. Yeah, yeah. And that's I even worse. About that before, like, 
the first thing you do in the morning is watch YouTube videos. The first thing I do in the morning is like scroll for Instagram. <laughs> yeah. But I actually think YouTube is even worse because the videos are so long. Yeah, yeah. Like you could be watching 10 minute videos for the next three hours and <laughs> you just won't even notice. Yeah. 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 yeah so that's one thing I need to do. So I think both of us, <laughs> both of us need to do that. I've um, seen, I don't know if you watched a documentary. I think it was called The Social Dilemma. I've heard about it. I haven't seen it. Um, and in it, there's like a video and this girl had like a jar that you can <laughs> put the phone in. And yeah. then it sets a timer and you can't get your phone until that timer goes off. And I was like, yeah. I'm get one of those. <laughs> yeah. But it's easier said than done because I know plenty of people that do things like that for different reasons, like whether it's like diets or if it's with your phone. And if if you don't have the self-control, you're just going to break it open or like find a way around it or something. Yeah. See, I'm quite good when it comes to like being disciplined if I have something in place that disciplines me. So yeah. I think I think I'll be able to, to manage it. Yeah. That's good. Um, and we've spoken for a while about Pinterest. Have you tried Pinterest? Yes. Pinterest. Okay, is... good. Hmm? Uh, the only problem that I'm having is that you need so much content. So, I mean, it is literally like I don't have to do anything. I think I set up like um it to automatically post stuff. Good. Um and. In the first few months, I went from like no like no views to like a hundred and fifty odd thousand views. That's very good. Yeah, it's really good, and I have noticed that I've had a few sales from Pinterest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I say, they I think that the course that I bought says that you're meant to post like at least thirty posts a day. So if you've only got you know five product images for each garment. Mm-hmm you soon use that up and you need to yeah. cre- creating loads of content loads of blog posts to keep up with pinterest but it's evergreen isn't it on pinterest like i haven't done anything on that for months and i'm still getting the same amount of views so yeah yeah that's good that's really good and obviously i think this is another thing about social media as well that a lot of people miss is that a lot of them are just search tools Mm. Like if if you go on Instagram and you search for something, then you need to um, optimize your posts to be good for what people are searching. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure that's massive on Pinterest because that is massively searched. Yeah, yeah. Have you felt with doing that? Yeah, like so. I've got um a spreadsheet, yeah. and um it's so this is the course that I bought. It's got a spreadsheet. Yeah each post um and then like the keywords that you want to use the hashtags that you want to use um and it yeah so it's making it like really heavily based on keywords and it definitely works because the stuff i posted on pinterest before would get like nothing and now it is finally getting traction (laughs) that's good yeah so that course that you bought would you say it was value for money Yes. That's good. Because I have not had great experiences, I don't think, with buying courses. Mm. I have brought another course, which was just, like, it was unreal. 
and it was like i think i paid like 250 quid for it yeah maybe that's why like maybe the good courses are you know over a grand <laughs> rather than cheap ones but this pinterest one i think was about 300 but it's okay. really it's like the woman that runs it is she is like um what do you call it where pinterest actually like you're one of the best <laughs> at using pinterest like one of their ambassadors kind of thing yeah okay yeah so like for me that was like you clearly know what you're doing um yeah. And Pinterest isn't something that's really talked about. Obviously, you can go on YouTube, Instagram. There's not really a lot out there about Pinterest. Um, so it was definitely worth it for me to learn like a new skill. But when you buy a course, is for Instagram, and you already use Instagram, it's kind of like, oh, I already know all of that stuff. Yeah. So the. So that second course that you got that wasn't worth it, what about it made it not worth it? Um, so it was about Instagram. It was um, like really basic information, I thought. Maybe it's not if you haven't used the platform, but it was yeah. things like, what can you post? You could mm-hmm. post selfies. You could post product images. You could post this. And I was like, well, yeah, obviously. Like, that's so yeah. obvious. Um, and then I thought, well, at least it's got stuff about ads at the end. And yeah. then it was the worst thing ever. Like, I've got more value from free courses or YouTube videos than I have that paid paid thing. Yeah. He was just literally like, okay, so go on there. Um, we're going to pick this, pick this, pick a few things, done. And I was like, that is not, not going to get me any results. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think... One of the big things from the courses that I had, they were very general. So they say, oh, go and do this thing. But it's like, okay, but how? And they just don't tell you the specifics. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing I found from the course. Yeah, it's very basic. And I always get sucked in as well. You know, when you see the ads and you're like, I really want that course. Like, I want it. But you're like, oh, but what if it is just the same as the other ones? Like, yeah. It's a lot of money yeah. to throw away. Yeah, 100%. I think definitely in terms of those courses and that kind of online education sector or industry or whatever, it's much more about the person that's delivering it for you. Mm. And you really have to buy into that person because there's so many people selling crap. It's unreal. Yeah. And they're all, I find um, a lot of the adverts that I watch, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard that from, from someone else in, in the last yeah. And it's like, what? actually just you're just regurgitating information at this point which yep. you know me and you could start a course to be honest <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing like i've noticed as well these videos are like do you want to start an online course and it's like oh how many is there gonna be <laughs> yeah yeah like uh yeah i don't know it annoys me a lot but it is what it is yeah <laughs> it frustrates me the people because i've seen it a lot as well People that try and teach things before they know how to do it themselves. Mm. Uh, I've seen quite a few people do that. And it's just a cheap way of trying to make money. Yeah. That, and that's what it is for them. It's not actually about teaching. It's about they just want to generate that income that's, you know, yeah. they don't have to do any work, basically, once you've made that call, isn't it? And then you just let it run. 
Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, no, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from those online courses, man. Yeah, yeah. I think the only, like, the only ones that I would list, like, go towards now are maybe people that have podcasts that I can listen to. They give mm-hmm. loads of value and then decide whether I want the course. Yes. You see loads of courses as well, and they're like, oh, yeah, this course is 99% off. And you're like, well, the value can't be that good then, can it? Because why are you, why are you putting your course that low? Yeah. And they all do that same thing as well, don't they? Like, this is worth a thousand pounds. This is worth a thousand. This is worth five hundred. Yeah. They're like, oh, but today we're going to give it to you for five hundred, and you're like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah, hundred percent. It's like untrustworthy, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. It's the trust again. Like, mm. so many of these people seem like scammers. I just don't trust them anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I think people that have the podcast and have the YouTube videos and that you can get some free stuff from them at first mm. and actually work out who is this person. Yeah. I think they're the people that are going to really provide you with the Yeah. And at least you know, like, you can listen to a podcast and you're like, right, you've actually had the same problems as me. You've tried out loads of stuff. <laughs> you actually know what you're talking about. And some of these program, like the people that have these courses, you don't have a clue, do you? Like, who they actually are? Do they actually have the business? Because why are they making online courses if their business is so great? <laughs> That's what I, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a genuine question to ask. I know there are, there's probably a portion of people that want to do it because they feel like there's so many people out there giving the wrong information, they want to give the right information. Yeah, yeah. Um... But yeah, 100%. Like, people that say that they're very successful business people, but then when you press them a little bit more, it all kind of unravels a little bit. Mm. Yeah. That That's an interesting one <laughs> that we've seen a little bit. Yeah. Oh, well, so yeah, I'm, I'm staying away from courses from now on, I think. Unless I know the person myself or I'm deep into their content that's free. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, what have we spoken about? So, in terms of your sales now then, have you done a Christmas sale or um, you plan to a New Year's sale? I am currently running a 12 Days of Christmas, which is a different offer every day for 12 days. Okay. Um, I've seen a few brands doing it. Yeah. And it's a bit fresh. It gives people a time limit. So, it's like you've mm-hmm. got to do it, which... Yeah react to to those tactics quite well yeah um i was planning to do you know to wait until um to do like a january sale kind of thing which i did last year, really successful but then i actually thought no why should i sell my products really cheap because it's end of line yeah why not just keep those products going until they sell <laughs> and that's what yeah. i do because if I don't make any money on it, then what's the point? Yeah. You know, yeah, 100%. You're always going to find new customers, and it's new to them. So yes. they'll be willing to spend that money. Yeah. Well, I, I guess there's a couple of considerations to have in that situation. It's whether you need the money more than you need the product. Mm. So, okay, you might only break even on it, but that means you can invest that money into the next clothing, which might get you more money. Yeah. Um, 
well, at the moment, this is why I'm doing the 12 days of Christmas thing because I'm right. I've got a photo shoot coming up next month. Um, yeah. I need to generate like quick money, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to keep things moving. I mean, that's the reality of the business is the cash flow. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I guess the other consideration is the cost of actually keeping the product. Mm. Um, you don't really have any costs that I know of, at least, of actually just keeping stock. Like, you don't have a warehouse you have to pay for. You don't have any of that kind. Of and you don't have any pressing timelines to get new stock in. So mm. for you, it's not that bad to just hold on to stock. Yeah. So that's probably smart. I, I, I like that. That's good. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of brands are kind of like small brands, especially like loads of people aren't participating in stuff like Black Friday. Like not knowing your worth as well, I think. And the first year, I think... I didn't know my worth. Like I sold stuff yeah. ample prices because I thought it's not perfect, it's not good enough. Yeah. Um, but when I actually started making stuff myself and sending it to customers, and I was charging them only forty percent of the price of when I have it manufactured, yeah. people I'd never know it was a sample. I'd never even know yeah. that you did it. And I thought, oh, for God's sake, like I could have charged more for it. Yeah, definitely. But at least I know now. For the next collection to not undervalue itself. Yes. And I'm sure that's I think a it's... problem for well, a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, I don't think it's an easy thing to to understand the value to an exact point. Mm. Um I think lots of people pretend like they know and they understand, blah blah blah. But it's it really varies between different people about how valuable that thing is to them anyway. Yeah. Um so it's not a straightforward thing to do. So yeah. it's, what... it's just going to be a learning experience, I guess. Yeah, I was saying this to um, a few girls that have started their own business. Um, and I was saying, like, you don't know what the value is of something. So I could say that my stuff's luxury, but what do people actually consider luxurious? Like, is it the fabrics? Is it, like, the componentry? Is it, you know, there's so many different things. Is it the packaging? Like, what actually yeah. makes it luxury? I could think something completely different to what someone else thinks. Like, for instance, a lot of brands that use silk. Silk is the biggest thing that people think is really luxurious. Yeah. Well, for me, it means boiling bloody millions of worms alive. <laughs> that is not yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that's one thing that... Um, I'm working on for the not the collection that's coming out now, but the next collection. I yeah. want to do surveys and actually find out what do people think is luxurious yeah. um, to add more value to to my products, basically. Yeah, 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 hundred um, percent. I think the other thing with pricing is a lot of the time the price determines how people think about the product. Yeah. So if you lower the price to a point where people think, "Oh, that's cheap," that might not be the best, the best, uh, the best result that you want. You might want people to think, "Oh, that's very expensive. That must be really good." Yeah, 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 definitely. So maybe something you could try with one of the, the new pieces is just make it mega expensive mm. and see if more people buy it. Yeah, I was actually planning to do that for the next collection, like make more expensive pieces. Um, yeah. And and you like rather than designing what I want, actually design mm. 
customer, like what they want. Yeah. That's really hard to kind of actually decide that actually it isn't about what I want anymore. Like, yeah, the first collection was fun and I got to do what I wanted, but maybe now is time to think, well, what do they want? Because that's where the money's going to come in, not just designing yeah. for my. Yeah, I, I agree with that to a point, but I think you need to make sure that you don't lose sight of the purpose and for whom you are making the product. Yeah, yeah. Because in essence, you are making the product for yourself. It will still look like mine. It will just, yeah, yeah, maybe have a few elements that are, are what the customer would like rather than me. Yeah, that's fair enough. Hopefully, that will uh, that will bring some more customers. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. So that's good. That's, that's... Um. So in in general, how have you felt about twenty? How have I felt about what? 2020. Oh, good 20. old COVID year. Ooh. <laughs> I, I've been so mixed about it. Like, <laughs> part of me has enjoyed the year. Like, I loved that slower pace, you know, no traffic on the road. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only thing, like, for me personally, it's been a brilliant year. But for the business, it's not been that great. But that's only because of, like, getting fabrics and stuff personally it was like fine like i didn't mind being locked in or whatever it's fine. Yeah. but um yeah the main like issues was finding a manufacturer um having my supply like the suppliers were closed and it means that i've now had the same collection for over a year and yeah. i plan to have this new collection out in august um, but it just wasn't possible. Yeah. So it means that I've made less money because I can't aggressively market if I don't know when the next collection's coming in and I don't have that much stock. Yeah. So it's been a very odd year. Yeah. But I've yeah. survived it. That's the, the main thing. <laughs> so... That's good. I mean, I'm, I think that's been the objective of most people to just survive. And see what happens at the end. Yeah. I'm like feeling really thankful that I am a small business because so many big businesses have like gone out of business or you know, yeah. they've redundant, they've shut shops. It, when it's small it's more manageable to to operate. Yeah. And like me making stuff myself is something I couldn't have done if I had a big a big business. Yeah. It's about like adapting as well and just trying to make it work like do whatever you need to do to make it work yeah 100 um i mean all of those big businesses that have huge overheads have huge liabilities they're gonna really struggle over the next mm. six months to a year we've already seen it in the uk with yeah. uh businesses closing yeah like um, debenhams i don't know what's happening with like top shop and places like that yeah but it's all yeah, a bit arcadia is going under yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm kind of happy about it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is something that a lot of people are missing because they're disappointed that this big shop is going out of business. Well, something's <laughs> going to fill it. Something yeah. new will come along, fill its place. Mm. Well, me and my uh, sister were talking about this the other day, and I was saying, imagine if those 
big businesses do go you know out of business and it's replaced by local um small businesses imagine how fun shopping would be if you could go out you find things that you can't find anywhere else you know supporting someone that needs the money it would actually really dramatically change like the shopping landscape and i think it fun like every city would be different you wouldn't like you know it it doesn't matter where you go you're just seeing the same thing everywhere you go aren't you but if it if these big businesses actually close down and then it would be so much more fun like I don't enjoy shopping anymore because it I just go in there and think oh slaves have made that (laughs) (laughs) yeah great very very, uh light-hearted way to think about it (laughs) <laughs> I can't get it out of my head though like mm. about how like horrible the big companies are yeah it's true uh, I mean even when they they say they're doing good things normally there's a loopholes around it there's yeah they've got one factory which is great but then the 20 other factories they use are terrible but they can say it's great because there's one factory they have. yeah exactly it's like H&M yeah. oh yeah we recycle old garments and it's like well, yeah, but at the same time, you're producing a ridiculous amount, causing loads of problems. You recycling a few garments is not going to change anything. Yeah, Re- reduce the amount you make to begin yeah, with. Exactly. And pay your workers a fair wage. <laughs> yeah. And th- this is a, a strong thing for you, I, th- I think, in your identity of the brand and yourself, really, is the ethic. Yeah, definitely. Uh, is that something you're going to push more next year? Yeah, like, oh, there's so many things that still need to be considered. You know, when people ask me questions like, oh, are your manufacturers accredited? Do they have this? Are they audited? And it's like, oh, God, I haven't even considered that. I just assumed that, you know, if it's in the UK, it's good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's loads of more background work to do because, yeah, these things can appear you know, you think, oh, yeah, England is, you know, it must be ethical. But then we've seen that actually in Leicester, especially, yeah. there's these kind of like underground factories plant are still being paid, you know, less than minimum wage. So I guess you don't know until you actually have evidence. But yeah. it's like, you know, I didn't think about that before i didn't think oh how do i go about finding evidence i just kind of took it on face value like i felt yeah. i was doing the right thing but yeah it's hard to actually yeah 100 yeah, if you go on linkedin and then you kind of are very vocal about your ethics and the types of people you want to work with i think it will then attract those people to you on the platform yeah and maybe you'll find it a bit easier to work with those people and specifically people that are willing to give you the evidence just up front and just say, hey, yeah, this is what we do, this is what we believe in. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of your marketing, are you going to push more of the kind of value-based, ethics-based uh, stuff on there next year? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, like, that's where I'm leaning towards at the moment is really promoting, like, the ethical side of things. Um. <laughs> One thing that I have decided to like promote now is that I'm not going to have any unpaid interns. Yeah. Um, because I keep like I was thinking I'm saying I'm an ethical business. What does it mean? 
having interns isn't ethical for me um and I brought this up with like my followers and it was like massive the response was massive to people disagreeing with internships that are unpaid yeah that's something I want to promote because a lot of businesses that are saying they're ethical are built on free labor yeah by interns so it's like it doesn't work it's not it doesn't fit so um I think there are two ways to actually look at that mm. um because if you look at a lot of the ethical organizations we think of you think of charity what are they based on volunteers so if someone believes in your mission and wants to help in some way yeah then is it okay to let them work for you free because they volunteered themselves yeah i guess so but like for charities now even they're paid they're not like you don't really get volunteers anymore like most people that are on the you know on the streets like doing charity work a lot of the well like they're paid now and i think that is something that needs to change in the industry like industry is that we actually start paying interns so that i'm gonna promote like that it is definitely ethical. Like, there's no one that's not being paid. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. I like that. Um, and this year you did some stuff with um, certain days, so like uh, Earth Day and things like that. You're going to continue with those things and uh, try yeah. to maximise on those? Yeah, definitely. Like, Plastic Free July and all of those things. Yeah. I'll keep, I'll keep being an eco-warrior. <laughs> that's good um, nice so in terms of something that you learned from the last year what would you say is the, the major thing that you took from the last year um, probably like not undervaluing myself yeah that's probably the biggest thing like when I actually looked at how much money I made mm-hmm. and how expected to make and i was like oh my god what have i done why have i sold loads of stuff for cheap like i shouldn't have done that yeah, <laughs> yeah. So next year it's all about like focusing on actually no i deserve to generate money i deserve to like have money um and that's something i'm working on on a personal level because i feel like i've been brought up in an environment which was always had no money always in debt yeah. um, like struggle to put food on the table and it's like ingrained in me as like everything's a struggle yeah so that's my goal for next year it's like more personal i suppose as well that's good yeah um so in terms of next year then what are the key markers for you for for success i want to double what i've made this year do it in half a year okay which i think is doable (laughs) um one of my biggest goals was to get like four retailers which i have managed to do nice january february i should have that all up and running um and they were kind of my like biggest goals but next year i want to up it from I've had like six people that are interested so far in stocking my stuff. By the end of the year, I want like 20 stockists. Okay. So are they physical retail stores or are they online retail? 
I've had one that's a physical boutique and then the rest are online. Okay. So are you focusing more on online at the minute than sort of physical? They're, they're just kind of the people that have like reached out to me. I haven't reached out to anyone because yeah. I don't have the stock yet. Yeah. So yeah, they're the people that have like contacted me. And if they've contacted me, then I feel like, you know, they actually want my stuff. So yeah. But a lot of it's drop I've noticed a lot of people want to do drop shipping. Yes. So it's like swings and roundabouts. It's kind of good yeah. and it's bad. Well, I think the drop shipping option is pretty good for you. Um I mean it reduces the cost. They're not gonna push for crazy amounts of percentages and stuff like that. Mm. You're still in control of the quality of the products. You know, there's no risk of them breaking it or whatever and then blaming yeah. you or anything like that. Yeah. Um, That's the biggest and thing. you can still package your stuff yourself. Yeah. yeah. Like, making sure that the quality is, like, the best. Yeah. You know, you can't... I don't really like the thought of trusting someone else to check that it's all good. Yeah. Like, for now, that's a good option. And it's, like, no risk. It's also, like, they'll promote you for free. So yeah. you can't really go wrong, can you? Yeah, I think that's a big thing for the online retailers. It's not just that they're selling your product. It's that they're promoting it. Yeah, exactly. Like, if they can pay for ads and stuff, like, some of them can, you know, they've got the budget to do that, then you've got free advertising, basically. Yeah, essentially. Which is good because you're not going to pay for that unless it actually comes. Yeah, exactly. And that's based on commission. Yeah. That's good. Really nice. So, more money, more retailers. Anything else? Um, I don't think so. That's like my main goals. <laughs> and going to live in a van. And I'll be living in a van, yeah. <laughs> yeah, van life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's that's another thing as well. Like, um, starting a more personal Instagram and promoting my business through like who I am as a person. Yeah. And having an account that doesn't post any like nudity, so like yeah, like flat lays and stuff to kind of attract more people. Because yeah, like I am very worried that my account will just be taken away from me. Yeah. So, building a personal brand aren't there also now some trends of women wearing lingerie overclothes yeah yeah that's what so I'm you could try and do a little bit of that yeah my sister does it all the time like she always goes out in like my bra layered over a top <laughs> interesting interesting yeah yeah it's a good little bit of promotion for me So that wraps up episode number one of the podcast. Thank you so much if you have made it all the way to the end on the first episode. That's absolutely amazing. Um, If you have any feedback, then please let me know. Um, I have an anchor uh, profile or website webpage for the podcast. So just search Madness to Mogul and it should come up on anchor. Or if you are interested, then I think some social media handles will be um, somewhere on the podcast that you're listening to. Um, So it'd be great to hear from some of you. Um, If you have feedback about the actual podcast or about any of the topics, then I would love to hear from you. So, until next time, guys, see you later.